Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with and laugh, I think we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, if you have any commercial real estate questions or if you have comments about the show, we do appreciate hearing from you. Our phone number is 888-612-SHOW. Our email is info at com. You can also connect with us through LinkedIn, Twitter, and Google+. You can find them all at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Today we'll have another important show for you. Today we'll be talking to leading social media experts who will have a specific expertise in LinkedIn. You're probably on LinkedIn, but you may be surprised how you can power your business with LinkedIn. With more than 150 million members worldwide, including executives from every Fortune 500 company, LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network on the Internet. LinkedIn started out in the living room of co-founder Reid Hoffman in 2002. And today, professionals are signing up to join LinkedIn at a rate that is faster than two new members per second. Two per second. That's amazing. And today, we'll help you discover the latest tips and strategies to leverage the information and connections to power your business. First, please welcome my first guest, Neil Schaefer, president with Windmill Networking. Neil is a popular social media conference speaker who is also known for his two award-winning and critically acclaimed social media books, Maximizing LinkedIn for for Sales Social Media Marketing and Windmill Networking, Maximizing LinkedIn. As a leading social media strategist, Neil has created social media strategies and coach companies ranging from a Fortune 50 software company to a Grammy award-winning musician with one million social media fans. Neil, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you very much. Well, Neil, to get us started, you know, LinkedIn is huge. We've just talked about it. How useful is it for sales, marketing, and other business uses? Well, that's a great question. You know, LinkedIn is unique in that they are sort of the dark horse of social media. Everybody talks about Facebook or YouTube or even Twitter. Uh, these days, being that it's March of 2012, we're already talking about Google Plus and even sites like Pinterest. But it really comes down to who are using these sites, you know, and how they were using it, what functionality those sites have. Uh, obviously, you know, let's look at Facebook on the one end is being used by people. It's sort of, I consider it the white pages of social media, uh, anywhere from, you know, senior citizens to high school students. Mm-hmm. Uh, LinkedIn is obviously much smaller. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook having more than 800 million users. Twitter is said to have more than 400 million users. LinkedIn only has 150 million users. But LinkedIn is a very, very targeted uh, professional networking site. It's targeted on B2B, it's targeted on decision makers and individuals with a high uh, annual household income. So from that perspective, strategically speaking, uh, you know, if I'm a commercial real estate broker, I'm not trying to get in touch with high school students or people that want to have fun on Facebook. <laughs> I want to get in touch with business people and decision makers. Not only are those people concentrated on LinkedIn, but it's also in a networking environment which allows you to easily facilitate an introduction, uh, a communication, find out more about them, which can help you on a sales call or to market to them, uh, as well as uh, you know, a, a number of other uh, functionality, as well as business intelligence that can be gleaned from the public forums that LinkedIn has. So I think it's just a tremendous resource 
that has really gone uh, under the radar. I think those, in, from the B2B perspective, those that are successful using LinkedIn, because it's B2B, it's not you know, a sexy thing. You're not going to hear about it in the press. But I know myself that a lot of people are very, very successful finding business on LinkedIn. And in fact, when I wrote my book, which I published last year, Maximizing LinkedIn for Sales and Social Media Marketing, I went out of my way to crowdsource success stories that hadn't made the press because I knew that business was being developed every day on LinkedIn. It just needed someone like myself to find them, translate what happened, and then put it in a book, which I did. Right, and that's what it's all about is is the business connections there on LinkedIn. So to give some uh, takeaways here, how can uh, salespeople, let's say, optimize their profile to help prospects find them? Well, the first thing that we need to do is, and I'm, I'm very big on what I call the LinkedIn mindset. It's also sort of a social media mindset. And the mindset is that you're on LinkedIn to do business. It's not a resume. There's this huge common fallacy that LinkedIn is just for job seekers. Well, when I'm looking for a job, I'll put my profile up. No, 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 no. <laughs> it is a business networking environment. Therefore, your profile should not look like a resume. Okay? Obviously, you want to have your real name. Why would you put an initial on your last name when you can show your real name? You want to have a photo. A photo immediately not only shows that you're real, because if you've been on LinkedIn in a while, you know that there's fake profiles on LinkedIn, but it also makes it much easier for you to connect with the person that's going to be looking at your profile. You're going to treat your LinkedIn profile like a website. You want to make a really, really good impression. So that's the first thing that you need to do is in getting your, your own house in order is to uh, you know, treat it like a marketing tool, starting with your name, your photo. Uh, going forward from there, you have this headline. And the headline is, you know, I think it's about 200 words or 200 characters, my apologies, that appears right next to your photo. And that's sort of, you know, your tagline. And it, it's extremely important for a few reasons. Number one, it obviously appears prominently next to your photo. But number two, what's going to happen on LinkedIn is someone's going to do a search for, you know, commercial real estate, real estate broker in a, in a certain region, certain industry, maybe that has experience working at a certain company. And in the search results, there's going to be a number of results that appear. You want to make sure that when someone sees you in the search results, that that headline actually attracts them to come in and click on your profile. The other important thing about the headline is the SEO. So we spend a lot of money on our own corporate websites working on search engine optimization. Well, we need to make sure that there's important keywords that are included in our headline as well, because these are going to be critical for our profiles to show up in LinkedIn searches. Uh, you know, the third thing that you need to do after that is you need to brand yourself. And branding is, is an art, and uh, I don't think I can describe it in a 30-second answer. But basically, you want to showcase your strengths and differentiate yourself. Uh, in other words, when you come up in search results together with three or four of your competitors, you want a headline that's going to compel them to contact you first. And if you're confused or you just don't know what to do, uh, just do some searches on LinkedIn for yourself. How do you want to be found? Who's going to be found when someone does a search for a commercial real estate broker in Atlanta, Georgia? Um, see what they use for headlines. See what people in New York City use, San Francisco, L.A., Boston. Uh, and I think just from the art of doing that, or the, or, you know, doing that, you're going to get some great ideas of how to tweak your own headline. Uh, the next one, the fourth one, I talked about the SEO. Uh, very, very important. If it's a resume, a lot of professionals that have worked a long time uh, worry about age discrimination. So what they'll do with age discrimination is, well, I don't want to go back more than 10 years in my career. But on LinkedIn, that works against you. You want to give people the ability to contact you and find you from your past. I go all the way back to my high school. And I'll tell you, I did my junior year abroad in Beijing, China, 
with only 20 American foreign exchange students, and three of those 20 have found me on LinkedIn, and they've all gone on to great things, and they're great assets to my network. So, you know, make it easy for people to find you by including all of your past experience, and all of that past experience are more company names that people can find you on, but it's also more real estate for you to use to describe your professional background, more keywords that you have in your profile for people to find you. So don't limit yourself. And the final thing I'd like to say is uh, recommendation. So whenever I talk about this, I always get hands raised. Do I really need to show my photo? And I have had uh, women that have been, you know, stalked by people, and those people are now out of jail, and they really don't <laughs> want to show their photo. And uh, that's a great excuse, I think. But for most professionals, uh, on average, I don't think they have an excuse. And recommendations is the other one. So recommendations is all quid pro quo. Yes, there are people doing it that way. But if you take it seriously, you'll see that, you know, when I uh, was looking for a realtor several months ago and I was looking at their LinkedIn profiles and two people had zero recommendations and one person had 30 recommendations from clients who said they would hands down recommend this realtor to others, that's gold, okay? That's instant credibility. And you never know when someone actually knows the person making the recommendation, which is even, um, you know, larger credibility. So don't take it for granted. You don't need to go out of your way and get, you know, 30 like that realtor did, which would be great. But, you know, get a few on there if you don't have any. It just, like I said, instant credibility. And it also shows people that you're real because we are seeing a lot of Internet marketers on LinkedIn with a lot of fake profiles. So those would be my five tips on how to really uh, get your head around LinkedIn and start looking at it as a sales tool and optimizing your profile as such. Well, those are some great tips. And in just a few minutes, we'll talk about some ways to prospect and find customers and clients on LinkedIn. So stay tuned after a quick break. We'll get more on LinkedIn from Neil Schaefer. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related subjects, check out our show podcast. We recently completed a show called Zoning for Dollars, which was a great, fun show. We also produced a show on prevalent lease issues, or oops, I should have covered that in the lease. You can hear these shows while they're still available on iTunes and on the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're looking at ways to power your business with LinkedIn. My guest is Neil Schaefer, president with Windmill Networking. And Neil, I'd like to ask you about connection policies. How many connections should someone have on LinkedIn, and how should people decide who to connect with? It's a great question. And getting back to you know creating this LinkedIn mindset, I think the second thing you need to do, you know, once you understand that it's a sales tool, is it's a business tool, right? And I find a lot of people on LinkedIn take it very personally. They only want to connect with people that they've met or that they know very, very personally. They don't want want to put their reputation on the line by connecting with people they don't know. And there's a lot of reasons why people have their own connections policies. But I'll tell you that on LinkedIn, it is a searchable database. 
And the more connections you have, the more times you're going to appear as a second-degree connection or even a third-degree, and just the more approachable you're going to be and the more you're going to be able to approach others. So if you start to look at your connections as a strategic tool, you'll see that you really don't want to be limiting yourself. Now, how you know, far should you go on the spectrum as, as to connecting with people you don't know? Well, you don't need to do that at the beginning, but it really starts with you know, once you understand it that way, and just because I'm connected to you on LinkedIn, and I'm what you would call an open networker with almost 30,000 connections, but, you know, if, if I don't know you and you ask me for a recommendation, I'm not going to give you one. If you ask for an introduction and you don't have a good reason, and it's someone that I trust, uh, and my reputation is in the line, I'm not going to make it for you, okay? So just because we're connected on LinkedIn doesn't mean, you know, we're, we're sort of BFFs or <laughs> best friends for life. Um, but it, it is a virtual connection in a business networking environment that facilitates communication. Now, here's a, a guideline that I want you to use when you think about how many connections should I have, which I'm often asked. Multiply your age by 10. Very simple. Okay, when you're out of college, I don't expect you to have 210, 220 connections. But if you're in your 40s and 50s and you've been in sales, you know a lot of people. It's time to just take those relationships and extend them to LinkedIn. Tell people that you, uh, you, know, you, you appreciate uh, your network, you consider it an asset, which it really is, especially for salespeople, uh, and you want to bring it on to LinkedIn. So it's really about going back into your, your database of connections, of people that you've met, of business cards, you know, uploading a CSV or, or Excel spreadsheet, uploading your Outlook database, and connecting with people. Okay. If you've done this exercise before but haven't done it recently, mm-hmm. LinkedIn has doubled in size in the last 18 to 24 months. So you really need to do it again. You're going to find a lot more new people on LinkedIn that maybe you didn't find before. And, you know, I, I do seriously believe, especially if you're in an outward-facing sales and marketing role, you're meeting at least 10 new people a year. So I know people that put their LinkedIn profile on their business card or as a best practice after they meet with someone, they'll actually that night, you know, as a way of sort of adding them to their mailing list without adding them to the mailing list, <laughs> we'll contact them and say, hey, you know, I, I think it's a great idea if you're interested to get connected on LinkedIn. I can help, you know, facilitate introductions for you and vice versa, what have you. So That's a great idea. You start looking at it differently, I believe that you can, uh, you know, greatly extend your network. Now, there is one type of uh, open networking strategy that I want to introduce to everybody on the phone. So this is up until now, I'm only talking about people c- connecting with people you know. Now let's say all of a sudden I was hired by a commercial real estate company and they say, Neil, I want you to handle the Atlanta territory for me. Okay? I know no one in that territory. This is what I would do. I'd try to find 10 people that have a lot of connections that live in Atlanta that are e- you know, either a member of the real estate industry uh, because obviously we have a lot of uh, referrals that we give each other down the ecosystem, or I'm going to try to find uh, people that have a lot of connections that are in the, my target industry. Let's say, you know, of all the industries I want to sell into, the restaurant industry is going to be the hot one uh, for whatever reason. So what I would do is if you go to advanced people search, there are a lot of different filters you have. And one of the filters is when you see search results, you can actually sort by number of connections. So I'm going to try to find the most central zip code of my target market in Atlanta, I'm going to do a search for real estate industry. I'm going to sort by number of connections, and boom, in descending order, I'm going to find people that have the most number of connections. People that have a lot of connections are generally open networkers. They'll generally accept your invite. The challenge is to find those that you think are, number one, real people, and number two, if you reached out to them, 
uh, will actually make an introduction on your behalf. But I'll tell you, just by the art of doing that, these are people with 5, 10, 20,000 connections. Not only does it extend your first-degree connections, but your second-degree connections are going to go up by the thousands, if not potentially tens of thousands, just by connecting with 10 people. So, you know, if you open up just a little bit of your network to those people from a strategic perspective, I think that it's just going to give you much greater reach, and you'll be able to use LinkedIn for better prospecting. Okay. And, Neil, what are your recommendations if you want to get connected with a second-degree contact uh, or contact of somebody else and you're looking for that introduction? uh, What's some best practices there? Okay. Great question. And this is where a lot of people fail because they think, well, it's the Internet. I I can automate things. Uh, You know, I'll just do it the easy way. Repeat after me. (laughs) New tools, old rules, right? A warm lead is always going to be the best way to get an introduction to a second-degree connection. Don't even use the LinkedIn introduction functionality. Get on the phone. See who connects you to that second-degree connection. Ask them if they would facilitate an introduction for you. Tell them why you want the introduction and what's in it for that other person. That's obviously going to be the most successful way that you're going to get an introduction to that person. Did you say pick up the phone? (laughs) Exactly. This is what, you know, social media is, is an online tool, but... Uh, it's the same offline networking etiquette that salespeople have always had that's going to help them be the most successful on LinkedIn. This is why you don't, you know, it's not the 20-somethings that uh, are, are doing the most on LinkedIn. It's actually the, the seasoned salespeople who are the savviest LinkedIn users because they realize that and they use it as an extension of everything else they've always been doing. Right. So now the, the other challenge is, okay, let's say it's a third-degree connection. So we're sort of one or two people removed, and we have no way of getting in touch with them. The next thing you want to do is, obviously, on their profile, some people do put their email address. Some people do put their phone number. Uh, there's a section on the bottom of your profile called contact settings. And by the way, if you're in sales and you haven't put your own phone number or email address on your profile, you're limiting your chances of people contacting you as well. I should throw that out. But what you want to do is, you know, look at their profile. Are there any hints that they're open to receiving a phone call or email? If they're not, the next step is you want to see what LinkedIn groups they're a member of. And by joining the same LinkedIn group, if they have the default setting on, you can actually send them a message. Just like on Facebook, you can send messages to anybody out there, whether you're a friend or not. Well, LinkedIn gives you the ability to do it only if you're in the same group and only if, you, only if they have that default setting, which is they accept messages. And once again, when you send a message, what's in it for them? Why are you contacting them? You've got to make that absolutely clear. Uh, beyond that, let's say they're not a member of any group. And when they're not a member of any group, they become almost like an untouchable on LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn does have a paid service. Everything I've talked about up until now is free. Paid service called LinkedIn InMail. And LinkedIn InMail, you used to have, a, have to have a $25 a month subscription to buy one. Now they sell them $10 a la carte. And what LinkedIn says is that a LinkedIn InMail is guaranteed to get into the inbox of that person because it's delivered within LinkedIn. Uh, they say it's 30 times more effective than a cold call or than a regular email, which often gets ignored or, you know, gets into some info at email address or, you know, an address that the executive assistant is looking at or what have you. So by doing that, I think it's a Hail Mary in all honesty and from, from a football perspective, but it is one way of trying to connect with someone or contact someone you never had the ability to do. And LinkedIn will give you credit. If they don't respond to that in seven days, you're going to be able to use that credit elsewhere. So if you're trying to close a six, seven figure deal, uh, I think a $10 to try to contact someone is not a lot of money. And the person on the other end knows 
that you've paid for the privilege, which is why um, some people that have, have been using it find it very effective. That's good advice. Neil Schaefer, thanks for your time today and your advice. We sure appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. If you'd recommend, uh, I recommend getting Neil's latest book on LinkedIn. Visit windmillnetworking.com. After a short break, we'll get more tips to power your business with LinkedIn. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like more great commercial real estate information, subscribe to the show blog at commercialrealestateshow.com. And follow the show on any of the social media sites, including LinkedIn. Our LinkedIn accounts are available at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're looking at ways to power your business with LinkedIn. Please welcome Stephen Jones, President with Growth Strategies. Growth Strategies provides hands-on sales and marketing strategy, providing vision, direction, strategies, and structure for your marketing. Stephen Jones, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Hello, Michael. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. And also, please welcome Les Atkins, founder and CEO of Orange Social Media Solutions, an organization that helps companies integrate effective social media strategies that follow their corporate and organizational objectives. Les Atkins, welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for having me again. Gentlemen, we heard Neil and I uh, talk about connection policies. What are your thoughts on who to accept contacts from and how many contacts are proper? Um, you know, I, I tell you what, I generally accept requests from anyone who reaches out generally only because you never know who they know. And as Neil talked about earlier in the, in the previous episode, um, regarding sales, regarding marketing, you want to reach out to people who might be good prospects, who might be good partners for you, who might be good introductions for you and things like that. So regarding introduction requests, I like to accept requests. You know, I'll take a look at who they are and what they do and where they're from and things like that, and I generally accept. But, um, you know, the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned because you never know who they know and they might be good introduction partners for you. But, Les, does it depend on who you are? I know as a, as a host of the Commercial Real Estate Show, I accept a lot of connections from around the world. Uh, that I think are related to the show and they want to hear the show and know what's going on. But then sometimes I'll see someone that looks like they're really just trying to sell me something. They're not, they have no interest in commercial real estate issues. And I'm like, I'm not sure I want to connect. I don't even know who they are. Yeah. It's one of those things where um, I agree with Steven, you know, it's when he talked about, I'm kind of an open networker. It's, you don't know who they know uh, or who they're connected to. Um, so it's actually really an individual decision I mean, one of my my only requirements is that they actually usually have a profile pick. So if they don't have a profile pick, I usually don't connect with them. But other than that, I usually do connect with them. But again, it's based off of your own strategy, whether you're using LinkedIn or any th- social media platform. It's based off your specific strategy, what you're looking to get from 
that particular platform. Right, and that's important to know right up front, right? What are you trying to get out of social media, and what are you trying to get out of LinkedIn? Exactly. Well, let's talk about recommendations. Uh, Neil uh, discussed how important it is. Uh, I have lots of great listeners who have recommended the show on LinkedIn account. Thank you very much. You incredibly smart people out there (laughs) have recommended the show. How do you give and how do you receive recommendations, Les? Uh, The easy way is just to ask. I mean, that's the... (laughs) Surprisingly, mm-hmm. unlike you know the old adage of oh I got to get a referral, so I talk to my best customers or the people you know I got to get a good testimonial, so I got to go talk to my closest friends. On LinkedIn, everyone's usually looking for recommendations. So if you ask for a recommendation, nine out of ten times you'll get it. Plus, be willing to if you be willing to only ask the people that you're willing to give a recommendation to. So if so, if you're asking for a recommendation from someone and you're not willing to give them, reciprocate a recommendation, then don't ask them for one. Oh, that's a good point. And, and Stephen, what do you think there? What, uh, what's important? I tell you what, a couple of times that we've done is if you've got a super busy person that you know you want a, a crucial recommendation from, is maybe you could draft that recommendation for them, send it to them in an email and say, hey, you know, would you do this as a recommendation for me on LinkedIn? You know, and then they can always edit it and, and put in their own comments or whatever. But I, I found that with my situation with if I've got certain people that I know I want a recommendation from and I know that they're super busy, um, you know, I'll send them, you know, hey, you know, send this, post this as a recommendation, edit it as you see fit and then I've used that as a recommendation. But I'll I tell you what, the other thing is to repurpose it too. So once someone does a recommendation on you, you know, you can tweet that, you can post it on your Facebook, you can send that in an email campaign or whatever it is, but you can repurpose that as a, as a way to reach out to your network and, um, and let people know that you've got, um, you know, awesome recommendations. Right. And recommendations on LinkedIn, it's fairly well automated. I mean, uh, if you don't want to personalize it too much, it's uh, a few clicks uh, on who you want to ask to, to for a recommendation. So it's something to certainly uh, consider. It's easier than, than doing it in the real world. Well, you have to uh, a lot more steps to it. But well, after a short break, we'll get more tips to power your business with LinkedIn. I'm Michael Bull, and you're listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some great shows coming up, including a show next week on the distressed market. The following week, we'll talk to some experts about buying as opposed to leasing property for your business. If you own or lead a company, this show could be very enlightening for you. If you'd like a once-a-week email announcing the show topic, you're invited to sign up at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're looking at ways to power your business with LinkedIn. My guests are Stephen Jones, president with Growth Strategies, and Les Atkins, founder and CEO of Orange Social Media Strategies. Or is it Solutions? 
<laughs> Actually, it's been both. It's been both. It's been both. We call it both. Okay. <laughs> well, they have strategies and solutions, whatever you need. <laughs> well, well, Jim, this is a question I think that, that we've heard a lot, that a lot of people are curious about. As a business, what are some considerations as to company policies regarding LinkedIn, Stephen? You know, I tell you what, the most important thing would be to have a system. And I'm very um, um, system-oriented, procedure-oriented in that regard. But as a company, if you're going to use LinkedIn and you're going to use it for your employees, especially your your salespeople, your sales manager, but set a system, set a structure, set a procedure um, in stone that they must follow, um, you know, based on whatever it is that you know you want to have done. You know, there are things that you can do that are dramatic through LinkedIn that you can get exposure, that you can get leads and things like that through LinkedIn. But I tell you where it tends to fall apart is you don't have a system, you don't have a process, you don't have a structure, you don't have rules, and you have to set those in place. What are some sample rules? You know, one of the things could be, you know, who you're going to reach out to. If if you're as a company, if you're going to create a group, you know, have rules for that particular group. And I I know we might get into groups uh, later in the program, but have rules for your group. Um, have rules for the education that you're going to promote to the different um, groups on LinkedIn. Um, one of the, one of the big proponents that I'm a big fan of is to join you know 50 different groups of who would be good prospects for you, who might be good partners for you, and then to educate people through those different groups. So if you're joined to 50 different groups, you need to have rules for your employees if they're going to post something to those 50 different groups. Okay, let's talk about groups less. You know, why should someone join groups, and what are some best practices to benefit from being involved in groups? I agree with Stephen. One of the things is to make sure that the groups you're joining are with the people that you want to be connected to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of the best practices, and I think sometimes this is missed by people just starting out on LinkedIn, is be a voyeur. If you're going to join a group, spend some time. Just watch what they're saying read the discussions don't immediately jump in Mm -hmm. because usually when you jump in and you're an unknown entity in this group especially if you haven't been invited into the group uh then you're kind of looked at as imagine you're sitting you're you're at a networking party and there's three buddies talking you've been to you know each other you've met each other and someone comes over and immediately says who they are and start talking about what they're doing and how they want to be involved and hey how can i help your company right. and how can you help my company so just kind of be be more of a voyeur watching what they're saying and then when you do join and start adding to the discussion don't create your own discussions right away answer questions and add value to the conversations that are currently going and that'll get you a lot further as a vital member of that group than just joining the group hey you know commercial realtors that um I found a landlord group, so I'm going to tell them all about what I can do for them. That's Mm -hmm. not the way to get uh, yourself as a trust agent in those groups. That's a good tip. And, uh, Stephen, what are some other tips for groups? You know, it it really kind of depends on um, what the goal is. I know for our company, if your goal is to research 
or to get like industry insight and things like that, then your goal would be to join really competitive groups. You'd want to join groups of your competitors and join groups around your specific industry. You know, if you're in commercial real estate, then you want to join a bunch of other commercial real estate industry groups. So that's one area. The second area would be if your goal is to get lead generation exposure for prospects and things like that, then you would not necessarily want to join a bunch of those groups. You'd want to join groups around your specific area. So if you're in Philadelphia, you know, you'd want to join all the Philadelphia-related groups, the professional groups, business groups, homeowner groups, and things like that. So with our with our specific team, with what we do, if the goal of the client is to reach um, prospects and people who would be good buyers for you, then you'd want to join groups of your prospects, and you'd want to join groups of people who would be good partners for you. So again, you know, it kind of depends on what your specific goal is. That's a good tip, and I know in the commercial real estate groups, there's some groups that it's it's okay to 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 have wants, put out properties. They encourage it, and there's some groups that would uh, they wouldn't like that at all. It's more of a, a discussion group. And uh, what if you're in a business that uh, it leads you to be in a lot of groups, and there's a limit of 50 groups in LinkedIn? Is there any way to get around that? What are some tips uh, there, Steve? You know, there's um, most main groups can have subgroups, and you can join a subgroup, and that doesn't count, which is really nice. I think we're joined to a little bit over 50 different groups, but the reason we're only joined to 50-plus groups is because they're subgroups. So you can join different subgroups, and that doesn't count as a group. The other way to do this is as a company, if you're the... um, if you're the decision maker, if you're the executive, if you're the business owner and you've got salespeople, you'd want to join, you'd want to have those salespeople join 50 different groups. So LinkedIn, unfortunately, limits you to 50 groups, and I wish they didn't, but I know why they do. <laughs> but um, if you've got um, other salespeople, if you've got other employees, if you've got other sales managers in your organization, have them join 50 different groups. And we've we've got clients where we've taken you know one company that was just joined to 50 different groups. You know, most of them were actually groups that were around their industry to 200 different groups because we use different employees and they joined 50 different groups. That's a great that's a great tip. Well, you have to take a short break. We'll get more on LinkedIn in just a moment. If you appreciate the show, check out our sponsors. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like to help a comrade in need? Well, check out Andy's Army. A commercial agent's daughter experienced life-altering brain injuries. His daughter, their family, and others in their same position could use our help. The website is Andy's, A-N-D-E-E-S, and then Army.com. 
Well, today we're looking at ways to power your business with LinkedIn. My guests are Stephen Jones, president with Growth Strategies, Les Atkins, founder and CEO of Orange Social Media Solutions. Uh, Les, I want to ask you about using advanced and keyword searches. What's it about? What can you do there? Um, it's a great way to find... Uh, if you're familiar with Google alerts where mm-hmm. you actually can use keyword searches for your industry or uh, like commercial real estate or uh, you know, landlords, whatever the words used in your industry, mm-hmm. uh, all you need to do is at the top of LinkedIn um, beside there's a search box and it has people updates, jobs, but right beside that is advanced. And if you mm-hmm. click on the advanced, it takes you to a keyword search where you can actually just put the keyword in and then hit search and it'll bring up all the information for that particular word. You can also um, segment it by industries, also groups, and uh, I think, which was previously mentioned, uh, relationships like first connections, second connections are all LinkedIn members. And that's a free service, right? That's a free, that's a free service. And one of the things I wanted to talk about too, real quick um, on those keyword searches and a a way to also be able to uh, find different things is to go to answers on LinkedIn, which is not really talked about a whole lot, mm-hmm. uh, by you can ask questions and answer questions. So it's another good way to get connected and also to find out the information that you're looking for. That's a great tip. And Stephen, what else can you do with keywords and advanced search? You know, with the um, advanced search, you can actually, it depends on if you're a premium membership or not. But I know with, you know, the premium membership, you can do in mail, you can do you know, more responses for profile searching, things like that. Um, you know, under, you know, you can do advanced, such as, you know, seniority level, interested in, and things like that, that you, if you're looking for specific searches under that uh, tab, you can actually do more through, you know, the premium. And tell us, and tell us about the, some of the features of premium membership. You know, we um, a lot of what we do as a company, we don't even have to necessarily use the premium membership. But a few of the just the main benefits of premium membership would be in mail. In mail is basically means you can email somebody, you can message somebody directly that you're not connected to. You know, there's ways to get around that. But if you're a premium membership, you know, you can do the in mail, and that's really cool. You know, you can get more searches when you're um, doing um, searches around. Um, put, particular people that you're trying to reach or particular people who would be good connections for you. You know, if you're not a premium membership, you get limited results. You know, with a premium, you get more results. Um, And then you can use the filters. You know, there's filters within the premium search that Les was talking about a minute ago. And you're limited if you're not on the premium membership. But if you are, then you actually get all of those premium membership filters. You know, and again, a couple of those are like, you know, seniority level, if you're trying to just reach a CEO, you know, interested in, if they're interested in certain particular areas, then you can access those people as well that you couldn't do, you know, otherwise. Yeah. Well, Stephen, Les, our fun has to end. We're out of time. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your insight, both of you. Thank you. It's always good to be here. Thank you, Michael. If you'd like more information about LinkedIn or any social media marketing strategies, the social media contacts, the websites, and the phone numbers for everyone on the show today is available at commercialrealestateshow.com. Can you join us next week? Well, I hope so. We'll get an update on the distressed market. Thanks for spending some time with us. I'm Michael Bull. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show.
The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com.